listening to a podcast on the Black Fur Network. like these with me sj and me paul and me chris episode seven john reginald christie born just before the turn of the century on the 8th of april 1899 in northam west yorkshire john reginald halliday christie was the sixth of seven children christie known as reg to his friends and family had a somewhat troublesome upbringing an authoritative father who would whip his disobedient children, an overprotective mother and four older sisters who dominated him. He would go on to rape and murder at least eight women, including his wife, Ethel. And now we'll discuss crimes like these. Well. <laughs> well. Right then. Christy John was a serial killer before there was a word for serial killers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, petty crime and general crime. Go- and actually, there was there's areas of his crime that Ethel was entirely complicit in. Oh, really? Yeah. They were doing illegal abortions as a team. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't know she they were doing only, it as a team. She, he only, he only uh, removed her when he, she began to suspect that he was going further. She caught him in the living room uh, because he would bring these women back and perform these abortions. But she found him doing indecent things with uh, one of them in a chair in his living room and at that point started to question. And that's why she was disposed of. But, yeah. It's kind of unusual, too, for a serial killer to kill their spouse. Very unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've come across any of the big names in the big names in serial killing um <laughs> the five the top, the top tiers uh yeah i couldn't find, i can't find like, none of them killed their wives yeah they normally keep the wives sweet don't they yeah, they keep them sort of on side blissful ignorance isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah so we dive in yeah let's dive yeah. in timeline let's go Let's go. So obviously, as we said, he was born in Halifax on the 8th of April, 1899. He was the youngest boy, uh, had a very domineering mother, um, uh, and he was abused by his father. Uh, he cited uh, one of his uh, uh, most uh, memorable moments as being at the age of eight and seeing his first body, which was his grandfather. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. He was someone he was actually afraid of. He was afraid of his grandfather and he said he felt uh, a strange sort of release and calm at seeing his body, which led to frequent graveyard visits. He used to yeah. visit a vault and peer through. He found a broken vault that contained It was uh, kids, children wasn't it? Bodies. It was children, yeah. coffins, wasn't oh, yeah. it? Yeah. And he would, he would peer through the cracks and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, eight years old, <sighs> that's... That's, That's a strange a fascination. Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. where did his parents think he was at eight years old? Oh, he's gone to play in the graveyard. It didn't oh, matter. Yeah, he'd be in, all right. In, in those days, nobody 
nobody gave a shit. I mean, when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, and like my parents didn't give a shit where I was most of the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> times were different. Times were very different. It's very true. Very true. I mean, it's not much later than that. You had, you know, even I've done my ancestry, and we found that uh, my family uh, living in Great Yarmouth in the nineteen twenties had 11, 12, 13-year-old children working as servants. Yeah. And the families would love it because they yeah. would work in these – because they were my, – my family were like a fairly well-to-do gents uh, outfitters. Oh, and wow. they, had, they would have a servant there who would be like a 12-year-old child and they would be sending money home. That would be actively encouraged that they were miles from home yeah. living, you know. So, yeah, like but, I mean, the, the, wow. the same sort of time as like kids working in cotton mills. Yeah. The same sort of thing because they were small yeah. and they could get in amongst the machinery yeah. where adults couldn't. So, yeah, that was it was commonplace. Yeah. It's frightening, isn't it? it when is. you think of it like nowadays, like, yeah. just can't imagine it, can you? No, I mean, kids don't earn their keep at all these days. <laughs> get out to that factory. <laughs> They're too busy making yeah. TikToks, then they're poor. The t- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fucking generation don't know they're born. <laughs> uh, so he's a, he another guy with a high IQ. So age 11, he won a scholarship to Halifax Secondary School, which when you read that doesn't seem like a lot in this day and age. That's a big deal back then. Yeah. yeah. That, mean, that means a lot. Back then, yeah, uh, education yeah. was, uh, yeah, you're looking at, yeah. You're looking at what possible. that's 1910. Yeah. Read, reading and writing is a plus, at this yeah, point. it wasn't so. common to know, yeah, it wasn't common yeah. to be able to read, yeah. So, mm. yeah, he's at the age of 11 getting his scholarship, and he was noted as excelling in maths and algebra and being very skilled with detailed work, and mm. was given an IQ of 128. So, not quite a Kemper, but still smart. Still very smart, though, yeah. 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 Uh, he also sang in the, in the choir, uh, became a Boy Scout, uh, which is something he loved, apparently. He loved uniform. It gave him the loved feeling you. of power. This yeah, is yeah. another weird thing that a lot of serial killers have in common. Like, a lot of them either served in the military mm. or... Rules, they, order. Yeah, they love that, uniforms. Mm. Yeah. Power. Power, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and people noted that he would wear a scout uniform even when he wasn't a scout. Not yeah. Just wear it around and just loved being in this uniform. I mean, that's people, wouldn't, people wouldn't think anything of that, though, because they'd just think, oh, he's proud to yeah. to wear that yeah. uniform, you know. But not he's... like today. No. Yeah. Like if a grown man was just strolling about wearing a scout uniform for no reason, <laughs> everyone would be like, all right. Just going, going down the shop for yeah. milk, milk bread and the newspaper, like. Yeah. <laughs> Wife best check his computer while he's gone. <laughs> if he's listening to us, we'd tell him to delete his Google history, though. Yeah, so. we would. That's true. Yeah. Aiding and abetting serial killers since 2021. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, but despite all this, he was not a popular kid. He was not popular at school. Uh, no, they didn't he, like him. They taunted him, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. generally dislikable. And he, had le- he left uh, school in 1913. So at the age of 14, and became an assistant movie projectionist, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> what a job. That must have been a great job at 15. I'll bet, yeah. 15 oh, years God, old. Man, that'd be a great job now. Uh, true, true. <laughs> a lot of it's digital now, though, so it's not. Yeah, as, I, think, I think they actually get it streamed in now as well. I don't think it's even <laughs> on a USB stick or anything. <laughs> <laughs> he had um he did have um a sort of 
sexual thing when he was 10 years old with his sister, didn't he? Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, weird because obviously they dominated him and he sort of resented the fact that he found himself being attracted to one of his sisters yeah. who was actually horrible to him. Um, I think that's where I saw the first sort of like red flag um, for his behaviour, like how he sort of turned out, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which led on to his like his sort of his adolescent years. Mm. The, the early signs started to appear. His first sexual encounters were failures. He began to he was particularly taunted by one woman and who who got sort of got him the name Reggie Nodick or can't yeah, do it Christy. Can't do it Christy, yeah. Yeah. Which that I mean must be horrible at a young age. Yeah. Yes. I mean it's not like anyone's a fucking star at thirteen, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But that's, that must be so humiliating. That's like yeah. going back to Kemper though. His mum did the same to him, didn't, yeah. didn't she? From a young age, maybe not that young, but you know, same similar sort of situation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, I was going to say that's another common theme among serial killers, mm. like sexual taunting at a young age. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this led to sort of he, he started to express different behaviour. He'd often feign illness to gain attention, you know, and you know. Yeah, fake, the, fake the illness thing. Yeah, the illness thing carries on to later life as well, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, and then the First World War comes along. So uh, Christian lists as a signalman in World War One, uh, but he's hospitalised after a mustard gas attack. Uh, the, the reports around this are very sketchy. He, there, there is evidence to support he was involved in a mustard attack, mustard gas attack. Um, and he did suffer injuries for uh, his sight, temporary loss of sight. Um, but there's no record of his voice being affected of it, um, even even though, you know, he, he, he spoke. They, they think he faked that, don't they? Yeah. They said it was like something like a hysterical reaction rather than a physical reaction. So yeah. he, he didn't talk because he didn't want to talk, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he claimed to be mute for two years or something. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, was, there was nothing that supported that. But yeah, <laughs> it's a very it's a very strange thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's attention, isn't it? That's that's like a, it that's is a very grandiose. That's yeah. a grandiose extension of him failing failing his illnesses. So then he gets married. He meets Ethel Waddington uh, from Sheffield. He gets married on May the tenth, nineteen twenty, and you know, appears to be living a almost a normal life this is a, again a recurring thing mm. they seem to get married um and live what would appear on the outside to be a normal life yeah. although it's very quickly uh, apparent that it is, it is dysfunctional um christy was largely impotent would visit prostitutes on a regular basis and there was actually local gossip around at the time saying that ethel really only stayed with him out of fear yeah. So he was a, a, quite an aggressive guy. And they lasted just four years before they separated. Christy then moved to London and Ethel went to live with relatives in uh, up in Birmingham, I think it was, or Sheffield. Sheffield. Was, Sheffield. Sheffield, yeah. 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 As far away from him as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. very similar to um, with the marriage and, like, the normal life. Um, was it Peter Curtin? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. It's That's exactly right. the same sort of thing. It's Actually, that, it reminded yeah. me a lot of him as I was reading. Sim similar time, similar time as well. So then we have um, 
uh, Christie starts to sort of embark on what's his criminal career with, uh, over the next decade. Um, all sorts of little petty crimes. So April the 12th, 1921, he gets three months for stealing postal orders while he was working as a postman. Mm-hmm. He got nine months for theft in September 24, six months hard labour for assaulting a prostitute. I mean, hard labour for... <laughs> Beating up a, a woman, basically. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, prostitutes had very little worth. Oh, I'm, very I mean, little. In mostly in society's eyes, they haven't now, but back mm. then it must have been like just yeah. the lowest of the low. Yeah. And then his the oddest one. He, he was uh, in 1933 convicted of stealing a car from a priest. And mm. I, like, I like the fact that they just they throw in that it's from a priest. Normally, if you're, you stole a car. Yeah. That's how bad it was. He stole it from a priest. It's like um it's like the, the iPhone thing. You know, when someone's got an iPhone, they say my iPhone instead yeah. of just my phone. Yeah. I mean I've got an iPhone, but I say phone because I'm I say, yeah, I say phone as well, yeah. But it's like a little it's like a little brag, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we always used to say that. I always remember when our, our daughters were at uh, junior school and infant school and you used to have the school play. And he'd always have the parent in front of you recording it. And they'd do it on an iPad, just lift it up and go, oh, what, what you're basically saying to everyone in the room is, I've got an iPad. Yeah, look at my <laughs> iPad. So, yeah, you and everyone yeah. else. <laughs> so, and then we have this strange re- reconciliation. So mm-hmm. in November 1933, um, he reconciles with, uh, with Ethel. She comes and moves down into Wellington Place then. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to say that why that even happened, especially, I mean, she must have known that he'd been in jail. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, uh, I don't know if you mentioned that his um, conviction, his theft conviction was, um, it was a conviction of obtaining money on false pretenses and of violent conduct. Oh. So it's not even just straight theft. It was like... Uh, conning basically yeah. yeah it's like fraud and it's a scam isn't it yeah a scam yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah and again that's all you're saying he's, he's he's a smart guy mm. you know i mean not that smart you're caught every time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh um didn't when they were first married didn't she have a miscarriage as well I read somewhere that she had oh, a, okay yes she, had, I, she yes. had a miscarriage like uh, very early on in the marriage um which I thought he was impotent anyway. Yeah. So I thought I don't think he was completely I, impotent because he was definitely having sex with was, dead people. Yeah, but I thought he was with Ethel. Oh. Because I yeah. read a conflicting thing that said that he was completely impotent with her. Yeah. They couldn't, and then well, I read something else that she she was she suffered a miscarriage early on in the marriage. Oh interesting. Yeah. I wonder so, if it was his. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is because this is part of his uh, MO, isn't it? It's like, exactly. They, yeah. they have to be unconscious or dead before he can actually perform with them. So, yeah. 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 Which is just nuts. So, how yeah. do you reach that point? Oh. Um, and that's the same thing with Dharma, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was the same. And actually, there's a few similarities here between yeah. them two, particularly in the disposal of bodies area. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, so he, we will. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he reconciles with uh, with Ethel, um, continues to visit prostitutes. Um, uh, she notes that he's developing increasingly violent sexual urges. And there's also a report that at this point he was also hit by a car. Um, he was run over. 
uh, around this time as well. But they were it's fairly sketchy on whether there what injuries there were around. I wonder it. if he obtained a oh. head injury. Mm. Yeah. Always the head trauma. Yeah, always. Yeah. yeah. Always the head trauma. And it's this point, it's around this sort of time, sort of from, from sort of 1933, 34 onwards, that they start performing these abortions. He makes it known that he, he makes it known that he's, uh, he has um, medical knowledge. Um, and especially given that um, he signs up soon afterwards, um, in 1938, 39, he signs up for the police. And, and he's able to use that, yeah. He's accepted. They don't check his shades of Kemper. Um, yeah, yeah, they don't. I mean, check yeah, his but it was wartime, so I imagine they were just taking yeah. anyone they could get. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So his abuse of power. Um, yeah. He starts following women, doesn't he, and taking yeah. notes, and he drills a hole through his water spray on his neighbour. Yeah, he became, he's actually he became known in Rillington as as he was known as the Himmler of Rillington Place. Yeah, he looks a bit like him. <laughs> do as a job by the way i couldn't really find he did all kinds of things yeah didn't he? there's nothing like because i don't know about then but rillington place is in chelsea right notting hill yeah yeah so a well-to-do yeah. it's a borough of chelsea right? yeah yeah so it's a really well-to-do area now you could like none of us could afford a house in chelsea oh, God, no. or notting hill no. like not many people can so i don't know what it was like back then was it i imagine it was still pretty up Upper class; those houses didn't appear from nowhere in 1990. From all the, the images I've seen, the photos I've seen in and around Rillington Place made it look pretty well run down. But yeah, um, but I guess a lot of London was at that time anyway. Yeah, it's wartime, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine there was many people looking to buy property in London during that no, time. No, because it's getting bummed to fuck yeah, in it. So. Correct. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't made that comparison, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, it's a three-door. It's what would now be uh, like a like a townhouse almost, but you've got yeah. three families. One you've on got it separated, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like we, you, you become accustomed to what in this day and age is classed as poverty. But if you dial it back 100 yeah. years... You, you just you can't even imagine it. <laughs> even in london you would pay like a penny mm. for a night to sleep on what they called a rope there would basically be an empty room in a house it'd just be a gutted house and they would have a rope nailed into a wall and people would uh, pay a penny to sleep with their arm draped over a rope Crazy, just because yeah. they were undercover they were in they were indoors but that's it that's, oh my god yeah, it's, uh, yeah, poverty is very different now. <laughs> yeah. Very different. I mean, I'm, just, I'm not saying it's like fun to be in poverty nowadays, but way better than at any other point in history. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he gets this job at the police. They don't do any checks on him, um, and he loves it. Absolutely loves this job. As you said, he's drilled a hole in his wall and he's using it to, uh, he's, he's abusing his power, definitely. Mm. Um, uh, using it his authority for sexual favors uh, and all the while he's still doing these abortions with ethel's help so you know he's using that as a form of payment almost yeah. he's they're, they're because he's an authority he's doing this stuff they're going to keep it quiet keep it quiet and yeah no he's he's on a win-win with this stuff yeah he he starts having an affair with somebody does a woman at work doesn't he, yes, he does. works at um is it was it harrow police station yes they, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he sort of built this relationship yeah, harrow road police station yeah 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 he sort of Gladys Jones. he started chatting to her on tea breaks and stuff and just you know built this relationship up 
with her and then mm. eventually yeah started having an affair with her and her husband was a serving soldier yeah but came home unexpectedly <laughs> and beat the crap out of him well, so he should <laughs> so he should absolutely and they were i mean they were having an affair for about a year weren't they yeah, yeah. i think it was about a year until mid 1943 yeah. yeah so that was the same year he began his murder murders yeah. Yeah, so 40, yeah. 1943 to 53 is, yeah. Um, yeah, when the, yeah. the murder so, started, yeah. yeah. Uh, so his first, uh, his first victim is Ruth Forst. Uh, she was 21 years old in August 1943. Um, who he, and this one's... She was Austrian, that's also, she wasn't... Yeah, yeah. this is a strange one, because obviously we're saying about uh, him being uh, impotent. Mm. But the description of this murder, his description of this murder, is that he impulsively strangled her during sex. Yeah. So had he done his usual mask treatment on her? Maybe. But it doesn't... I don't don't think he did. I I mean... I wonder if he couldn't perform. Yeah, maybe. Frustration. You wouldn't just have, like, rope handy, though, just in case, would you? That seems premeditated to me, that he strangled her with a... You know, you don't just have rope lying about everywhere, no. do you? And the thing is, you can't, like, you can never believe everything a serial killer's telling you. True. No. Their own accounts are usually way overblown. Yeah. yeah. Always or exaggerated. way underblown. It's never going to be the yeah. exact yeah. truth. Yeah. You've got to bear in mind, it's like for, for three or four years, he's been honing his ability to put these women to sleep to yeah. do procedures. So well, he's he, well-versed in that now. Yeah. Didn't he do it? What was his mixture? Was it a concoction of alcohol and... Uh, what was oh, it? it was called... Oh, shit. What uh, was it? It was alcohol it was, and something uh, else. It was Friar's something. That's it. Um, it was Friar's Balsam. And he had a second tube, which was attached in a gas vein. The gas it, it had a clip on. So mm. basically he would they would have their back to it and he would yeah. put the balsam on and then behind the back, it, Ethel would drop in the um the other tube mm. and take off the clip, and that's where the gas would go in. So this I was saying that like, up until the point he started killing people, Ethel, Ethel was entirely complicit. Yeah, I, I mean, that's sketchy as fuck, ain't it? Like, she must have yeah. known, like, she must have known that, the, that that these people, you know, why would you, you're there for an abortion, illegal abortion, and you know you're going to be put out because obviously you can't be awake. But then they swap one gas for another. That seems really yeah. odd. Like, yeah. she, I feel like she must have known. Yeah. What yeah. was happening? She, she must have. She must have. This is like a well, except revolves rolls reverse. Then it's like Rose West, but Rose West was very mm. much the ringleader in that situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so yeah, she, uh, and she was he temporarily uh, hid Ruth first under the floorboards, mm. uh, and then uh, he had, as usual, with serial killers, a gap. He didn't kill again for another 13, 14 months or so, October yeah. 44, with Muriel Edie, who was a little bit older, 32. Mm-hmm. He lured her uh, to his house under the promise that he could cure her bronchitis with his special mix. That's right. That's yeah. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and again, his weird concoction of alcohol and something else that he would yeah. make her inhale. Yeah. Uh, so again, using domestic gas containing the carbon monoxide, he rendered her unconscious, strangled her, raped her post mortem. And then buried both of those bodies in the communal garden. And the garden wasn't that big either, was it? No, it, no, it no. was not. <laughs> he was quite brazen, though. Again, this is like police as well at the time. Yeah. They visited his house a fair few times. They didn't oh. notice that he had 
um, one fence panel was propped up with the shin bone of Ruth Foyle. That was a thigh yeah. bone. A thigh bone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just casually propped up against the wall. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but the thing is, it seems like the more blatant he was, the easier it was for him to get away with it. Like he well, had... the police did such a shit job. I yeah, mean... I don't imagine they were very good in those days anyway. They no. Were, they were basically just a club deserters and drag them back to the shit. <laughs> They had no means of proof, really, apart from actually catching you in the act or getting a confession. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And which they often would just beat a false confession out of people anyway. Like, in fact, in this case... (laughs) We do uh, have... I was going to say, the next bit, you know... Yeah. It's all about false confession and how, how well that pans out for yeah, him. Yeah, well, technically, you could you could count him up as another victim of Christie because he did yeah. everything he could Absolutely. to get him hung. I, I, yeah. sh- I think he should be considered um, as a victim, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is where Christie really, yeah. It ramps up. Becomes a sickening bastard at this point. Yeah. So, yes, April 1948, uh, Timothy and Beryl Evans... Uh, move into the upstairs flat. So Tim is working for the Royal Mail, and is known to have loyal diff- uh, royal, uh, known to have um, mental difficulties. Uh, he has an IQ of seventy, so he's he's, he's easy. Not picking. a very nice guy either, is he? No, he's very small and angry. Yeah, little man. Now, absolutely, yeah. he's he's. From what I read about him, I was just like. God, he's almost as bad as Christine. Yeah. You know, he just wasn't wasn't a very nice guy at all, really. No, uh, it wasn't the rosiest of marriages. They, they frequently no. argued, um, very aggressive. Mm. Uh, and in November 1949, uh, Beryl announces that she's pregnant for a second time, um, to which they both agree this is too expensive and, and, and you know, they, they can't, they're in no position to have a second child. And obviously, Christie steps in and says he can help to abort the child. What a guy. What a guy. Oh, what about, I did read a bit about, um, because it was Tim Evans's sister who found the flat for them and um, she was getting it ready and everything for them to move in and apparently when she was there, um, Christy appeared behind her with a cup of tea and she didn't even hear him come in and she kind of, yeah, scared her a little bit, and she was like, "No, thank you." I wouldn't be drinking my, that. My brother's, my brother's coming soon, and yeah. he's, he's scarpered, and obviously the tea. Yeah, that play. She obviously didn't. Okay, know. he's, he's able to drink it. Isn't he? He's able to pull off this persona, mm. you know, someone that you can trust quite well. You know, we see later on in this. You know, when he's in court, he's very yeah. quietly spoken. Man, he's quietly spoken because of the mustard gas, and he couldn't yeah. speak loud. Yeah. But because of that, he appeared allegedly. Armed. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, people trusted him. He didn't. He wasn't yeah. the guy that frightened people. Especially, he's very no. mildly mannered and quietly spoken and offered to help and listen. I mean, what better way to lure victims in? Yeah. You know, I mean, the amount, you think the amount of people he managed to lure to his house. Yeah. I mean, he he killed us. Yeah. He killed uh, all these people, but there were God knows how many that he came and genuinely treated. Well, yeah. You know? <laughs> Or put to sleep at least. Yeah, and, yeah. And abused. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So on November the eighth, uh, um, having gained uh, Tim's trust and Beryl's trust, he then gasses Beryl, strangles her, rapes her post mortem, uh, and then Evans returns from work and is told that Beryl died during this procedure. 
Yeah, he tells uh, him to get out of town, don't he? Yeah. Like, get out of town, man. <laughs> He's a bastard about it, though, isn't he? Because he basically says, mm. well, you're going to have to keep quiet because you're an accomplice. Yeah. yeah. And they're going to believe me over you. There were heavy penalties for abortion in those days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Christy told him again, which I think this is kind of a setup too. Um, mm. He told um, Evans that he would dispose of Beryl's body by putting it down the manhole outside the front door after dark and that the baby could be looked after by a couple he knew in Acton um, that couldn't have children of their own. But obviously he doesn't put it down the manhole. He buries it. So, I oh know he puts it in the wash house uh, yeah. and then goes up, obviously goes upstairs and kills the baby too and puts that in the wash house. Um, I mean, the fact that he kills the baby, you know. Yeah. That's the, the one that he keeps he all admit. these bodies. That's the thing. Yeah. He's not really disposing of the bodies. He's just no. putting them in walls and under floorboards. Yeah. How did no one smell it? They did. They do, they do they don't do. they? The last yeah. three. They do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't, know you, I, I don't know how you couldn't with three yeah. dead bodies in your walls. <laughs> Especially as he weren't even in the bottom. He was he was in the top of the flat, the middle flat. And he was putting them under the floorboards. So yeah. you can he, only imagine. He put imagine. them in the floorboards first and then he buried them outside, didn't he? But yeah. the, the last three victims, he actually put them yeah. in an alcove, yeah, didn't he? And he, yeah. yeah. He put Ethel uh, under the floorboards, but there was a reason for that. We'll get to that. But yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he kind of sets Christy up, sets Evans up by saying he's put it down a manhole, knowing he isn't going to put it down there. Um, so Evans runs away to Wales. Christy kills the baby and hides it in the wash house. And on November the 30th, uh, Evans finally can't deal with the guilt anymore and goes to Merthyr Tidville Police Station and confesses, except he confesses all wrong. He's got he's got none of the facts. Uh, and, <laughs> he and, just know, spews a load of garbage. Yeah, um, it says he lifted his manhole cover up when you know the police already know it took three of them to lift the cover and all this sort of stuff. And the yeah. body's not even there anyway. So because of that, he kind of implicates himself. The police stop believing him. He doesn't come across. Christie's quite canny here. He doesn't come across as credible at all mm. because you know he, he knows he's not the smartest and he's fed in this crock of shit which he's gone and spewed, so he's made himself look a liar from the yeah. word go. So when, yeah. the, when the police talk to Christie, this quiet guy who's been in the police... And yeah. he can manipulate the, the situation. He's already got uh -huh. the upper hand, hasn't he? He can already manipulate yeah. the situation because Evans has essentially dug his own grave. Yeah. yeah. And you can't... I mean, I suppose Christie's just taken advantage of that situation, hasn't he? Yeah. Very skillfully. Very, yeah. 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 So um, Evans initially said he'd accidentally killed Beryl with a bottle of liquid given to him to help the abortion by a bloke from its switch and threw the body down a drain. It's like, oh, that, that, my God, where'd you get that from? So uh, then he tries to implicate Christie uh, and the search is done at Christie's house at Rillington Place and they find bodies in the wash house. Um, and at that point, Eddie Evans confesses. However, the, yeah. the transcripts are very sketchy of this. And he was known to not be able to read and write. So what they wrote down against what he said is there's a lot of discussion around this. If you've, if you've actually seen the transcripts, the police transcripts, no, no, there are some, there are some odd words in there, and he, the words he, there's no way Evans said some of these words, some long words, you know, you know, you're using words like transpired and stuff like that. No, he like, Evans had an IQ of seventy. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought many people in those days would have used the word transpired, no. let alone that guy. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, a, that's an educated yeah. person. There's a, there's a description yeah. of a terrific squabble with his life, with his wife. And I said, Simon, Evans would have said a bloody row. A hundred percent the police reworded it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a very sketchy. But I mean, they might have just reworded it to make it more palatable to a judge. I was, yeah, yeah I was just going to say that. I think they've yeah. changed some of the words to make it more believable. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But ultimately, this inconsistency was used against uh, Evans. Mm. It was cited as evidence for guilt when he went yeah. to trial. Yeah, <laughs> his nice. trial. What a shame. The police yeah. were so sketchy back then. Yeah. Less than just over an hour, they took to yeah. convict. Timothy Evans of the the murder of his wife and child. Uh, no, they only tried him for the the child, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you seen the pictures of him too, like coming out of court? Yeah. Oh, Man, yeah. He looks terrified, don't he? Yeah. He does, well, yeah. As you would do. Yeah. Especially if he knows he's innocent. Yeah, and they don't miss about either. No. You know, this no. isn't like going on death row. I mean, the trial was January the 11th. Uh, he was uh, convicted. They took 40 minutes to decide his guilt. He appealed on February the 20th, which was denied, and he was hanged on March the 9th. So that whole thing was done in about seven weeks. Yeah, it's crazy, Jesus. isn't it? He didn't stand a chance, did he? No. He really didn't stand no. a chance. The fact that Christie sat in the dock. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably enjoyed every minute of it too. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Apparently he, uh, he blubbed loudly in a very overblown manner when the death sentence was given. To, uh, Who did Christie? Christie, yeah. Apparently, he wept like a child over the death of a of a baby or something in the in the dock and completely Yeah, nowadays, if you saw that in a court, you'd think, "Hold on a second, yeah, that's a bit weird." Yeah. And no one wanted to know it when that when it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> Thank then, God that things have moved on. Oh God, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, they got they got him on the first one for this. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we move on to Ethel. So, um, Christy gets fired from his job at the post office savings banks due to them finally finding out about his previous convictions. Apparently, he sinks into depression. He lost twenty eight pounds in weight at that yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, um, he was a slight guy anyway, wasn't he? He must have yeah. looked really ill if he lost Gaunt. 28 pounds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he remained unemployed until August 1950 uh, when he got a clerical position at the British Road Transport Services. Again, something that likelihood needed a uniform. Yeah. You know, yeah. Love attracted to these things. It's very strange. <laughs> But he resigned on December the 6th, 1952, uh, because he said he found a job with better prospects in Sheffield and that his wife had already left to go there and he would follow soon. Reality, yeah. Christian Sowing the murder. seeds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's already <laughs> under the floorboards. Yeah. <laughs> so he murdered <laughs> Ethel on December the 14th, 1952. Mm. Uh, in the aftermath of the Evans trial, Ethel had begun to quiz him. Um, she started to suspect and she'd caught him, uh, like I said earlier, um, doing one of his procedures. She, he'd caught him straddling across a chair over an unconscious lady in the living room and threatened to expose him. Uh, why would you do that to his face? If you why genuinely you just him, expose him? Why just throw it? Just, yeah, him. just yeah. leave the building and go to the police. Yeah. <laughs> 
But then again, it's, I know we keep, harp, I keep harping on about it being a different time, but it's not like now where you can go to the police and they take, especially um, any re- report of um, assault, yeah, anything like that, they take very seriously. But back then they probably didn't take it that seriously. So, and he buries her under the floorboards in the living room. Now, there's, a, there's a, a lot of theory around this stuff, and it does hark back to other killers. In that Ethel, although although Christie didn't have a mother figure per se, Ethel was effectively his mother figure. She exercised an awful lot of control and power over what he did. She was on his best behaviour when she was around. So it was a, to, for him to put her in the living room under the floor meant he was walking over her at every opportunity. This is very similar to Ed Gein, yeah, when yeah. his mother died mm-hmm. and you know, preserving her and, and him going off the charts when his mother died. Or Ed Kemper finally, you know, the, his final blitz was on his mother. So this yeah. is a very similar psychological situation where, yeah. where Christie's saying, okay, I'm done with you now and I'm going to walk over you on a regular basis. You're, you're beneath me. Yeah, yeah very absolutely. Symbolic. He's got the upper yeah. hand and he can do what he likes now. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the police actually visited at that time as well. Uh, there's an interview with a guy who's probably died now, but I found there's a, a short video of a documentary that, um, uh, was it Fred Dynage? It's Fred Dynage did. Bloody, yeah, was a name. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and he talks at the time there was a, an officer that was still alive that had been on the front line uh, with the Christie case, had spoken to him in prison and visited Reddington Place. This guy was 86 at the time, so it's probably fair oh, to say man. he may not be around now. Yeah. But this guy actually went into the living room and commented uh, at the smell that was coming out of Christie's living room. And Christie said, it's these foreign people that have moved in upstairs. Their cooking's awful, and it stinks the whole house out. And the policeman accepted it and, and went out. Yeah, because they were a Jamaican, they were a Jamaican yeah. couple, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've ever smelt something decomposing, it's kind of unmistakable. Yeah. He but, was using clean, what was he using? He was using some sort of disinfectant, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. To disguise the smell, but obviously, but this, this, this policeman um, visit also visited Christie again after he was arrested, and Christie remembered him. Uh, and so, obviously, when he sat down to discuss and start taking the statements from Christie, Christie said, "Now, now, at least you understand what the smell was when you came round and visited." Just oh, like, my, my God, God. you actually remembered. So, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> that's rough. Again, that's a power play, though, isn't it? That's yeah. a power play. Yeah, I put you in my pocket. Yep. Yeah, and that only now on my under my terms am I letting you know that exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always into that power. It's power. Yeah. Isn't it? mm. yeah. Um. So and then he goes off and starts selling her stuff. So December the sixteenth, he sells a uh, wedding ring. Uh, then the following week, he sells her watch and her wedding band. Uh, and he continued to write to her sister for a while in Sheffield for three weeks. You know, yeah, to say that, to say that she's all okay. So yeah. bad, yeah. 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 And buying <laughs> gifts on her behalf, even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cheeky bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. <laughs> uh, and then in January, January the 8th, uh, he sold all his furniture. He basically just kept three chairs, a table, and a mattress to sleep on. Uh, forged Ethel's signature and emptied the, the whole ten pounds from her bank account. Wow! Which was actually a fair bit of cash. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Ten quid was some money. Yeah. And then, basically, again, exactly the same as we've had before with other serial killers. Ethel's out the way. Escalation. 
three yeah. rapid fire killings. So without Ethelbert, he's got no control anymore. So between January the 19th and March the 6th, 1953, he kills three more women. He kills uh, Kathleen Maloney, who he already knew, apparently. He'd had sexual relations with her in the past. Oh, really? Uh, and again, gassed, strangled her, raped her post-mortem, uh, and then found he was running out of space. So he found a little alcove in the kitchen and stuffed her in there. Uh, then he killed Rita Nelson. He offered her an abortion, gassed her, strangled her, raped her again, hid her in the same place but upside down. It was so, such a cramped area. He yeah. put her kind have of seen, Have down. you seen the pictures? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's sort of feet up in the air. Yeah, oh. but she hadn't even decomposed that much, so she couldn't have been no. in there very long. No, she wasn't. Uh, and then Hector and McLennan, uh, who was 26, he, he offered her a flat without realising her boyfriend was going to move in as well, and he wasn't happy about it. But they only left They left after just three weeks. But he persuaded, this is him again, persuading people. He, he persuaded Hector to visit, her one, visit him once more before they moved away. And then he strangled her and raped her. And stashed her in the kitchen alcove. And then he, the people he was killing as well was super risky. Like yeah. it's not strangers, it's not like random prostitutes. It's people that live in his building, it's people yeah. he knows. Yeah. It's really risky behavior. He's out of control at this point. Now. Yeah, definitely. He also probably feels a little bit of invincibility. Yeah. Because he's basically he's got the police in his pocket he's they've been there haven't seen anything don't notice anything he's persuading them that the smell of decomposing corpses (laughs) is cooking somehow (laughs) i mean my god it's it's, it's the fact that yeah he acknowledged uh, when he was interviewed by the police he acknowledged that when he killed the first of this three kathleen maloney Mm. that he immediately he 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 realized post killing her that he had a space issue and yet still killed two more in quick succession. Yeah. So we can't stop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no sort of forward plan in there, is there? Because no. it's it's more impulsive. It's that escalation that we see. Yeah. And obviously, I think after killing his wife, that escalation was inevitable, wasn't it? Yeah. He yeah. obviously felt so powerful that, and obviously he'd gotten away with how many more before? Yeah, he'd got someone hanged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> much more yeah. powerful can and on top of that how many abortions had he done and exactly, what yeah. what stages of pregnancy too because i'm sure he didn't stick to the legality of it and i don't know how long it no. is but like no. say for example four weeks or whatever he's not going to stick to that time is he no no but despite the, the, the killings being almost random and out of control, he's still meticulous in and around them. So after he'd killed Hector and McLennan, her boyfriend turned up and asked where she was. And he said, oh, she didn't turn up. Um, but he continued to visit the boyfriend, you know, for a few days, asking if she turned up, knowing that she was in, yeah. the, in his kitchen. And even went out and did a street search with yeah. the boyfriend. I read that. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. you got to be able to put on a serious front. To do that, he, but wants eventually, an, he wants an alibi, doesn't he? What he wants yeah. to be, you know, he's obviously clever enough to think if I don't, if I'm not involved, or if I don't insert myself into this situation, the finger's going to get pointed at me. Yeah, yeah. it is hiding in plain sight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so then things start to unravel for him. So uh, March the 20th, um, 1953, he defrauds a couple posing as the landlord, takes seven pounds rent from them and leaves Wellington Place. Yeah, he illegally sublets, doesn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he books himself a room for seven nights at the King's Cross Roten Hotel or house, but, only, but leaves after only four, uh, by which time the new tenant has discovered that there's bodies in the kitchen. The tests sort of have revealed carbon monoxide poisoning and the police are called on March the 25th. <laughs> Three days later, this, now this bit is amazing. This is like, I, I read this two or three times. It did really. <laughs> three days later, he called the News of the World. Did you hear about this? No. He, offered, he offered the News of the World an interview and actually arranged to meet a reporter down by the Thames. But it didn't take place because Christie was frightened off by two policemen in the area. But he was going to. But he was prepared what? to put something in the paper confessing his guilt and laying all this out. That is bizarre. Attention, attention, though, isn't it? Yeah. News, news, news of the world, that's a stage for him. Yeah. That's a stage for him to, you know, But that's, tell that's his really weird because he's not, he's not seemed like an exhibitionist up to this no. point. It's not like he's like, no. you know, uh, I can't think of an example, actually. Oh, Zodiac, for example. Like, he's yeah. not writing to the newspapers every True. week and, yeah. like, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's a crazy thing to do. It's out of character. But yeah. Very much it, It's so. a strange play because yeah. it doesn't match with his previous. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe oh. just had a, like a complete break, like a complete psychotic break. Maybe it was panic. Yeah. Maybe it was yeah. blind panic and that was the natural conclusion that he came to. Maybe maybe yeah. this will work. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. strange. I mean, I don't, um, I don't know if he maybe no, nah, because he doesn't seem like the sort of person who'd want the notoriety. No, I don't, I don't know. know. It's not like these little gangbangers these days where they murder a rival and then make a rap about it and get caught. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're, not, they're not bright people. Paul heavy on the youth bashing once more. <laughs> 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 it's all right. Our demographic's a bit older than, than, than that. So. Not all the youth. Just, Not all uh, the youth. Just some of them, yeah. <laughs> just murderers. <laughs> so uh, post this, um, Christy just starts to wander London. He's sleeping on benches and just wandering the streets. Uh, and he's eventually found um, uh, standing by Putney Bridge, down by the Thames. Yeah. Yeah. Gives his name as John Waddington, but the policeman tells him to take his hat off. Uh, Christie's quite distinctive, <laughs> uh, and he took his hat off, and he was immediately identified. Um, and, that's and that's pretty away. amazing. I mean, yeah. If that hadn't have happened, how long would he have gone on? I don't think he would have killed again necessarily, but you know, who knows what would have happened if he wasn't stopped on that bridge? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I imagine he probably would have killed again. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, long, they don't. They they don't tend to just stop. I don't know. As long as he had a roof. I was going to say that's yeah, yeah. That I was going to say that's the thing. Like, I don't think he would have murdered anybody like in a hotel or anything like that. No. I think he had to have. He had his a own, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, some, I mean, if he, had, if he had somewhere else to live, then yeah, it's quite possible that he would have mm. uh, would have killed again. Yeah, I personally yeah. think he definitely would have. <laughs> yeah. Is that a hundred percent? Yeah, ninety-eight percent. ninety-nine percent. Because the only the only like serial killer I can think of off the top of my head that literally stopped killing was uh, the Golden Gate Killer, uh, uh, Golden uh, State Killer, Golden State yeah. Killer. Yeah, whose and name Jack has escaped me. And Jack the Ripper. 
Um, well, we don't know about Jack the Ripper. He James, might have died. James yeah. D'Angelo? That's James, it, yeah. James D'Angelo. Yeah. yeah, Jack the Ripper might have died. He may have been in the army and shipped out. He may have yeah. left the country. You don't know. Nah. You don't know what and happened you never to him. Will. No. no. So, and even if Jack the Ripper's victims were all by the same person, they don't even know yeah. that yeah. for sure. No. no. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think serial killers don't tend to just stop. No. I mean, even the Golden Gate ki- ki- um, Bridge. Why do I keep saying bridge? The Golden <laughs> State Killer. He, we don't really know that even he stopped killing. Maybe he just completely yeah. changed his MO. We don't know. Yeah. 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 And given that we can, we know, you know, Christie rattled off three murders in the space of a couple of weeks. Yeah. He completely lost it after Ethel died. Yeah. Died, <laughs> murdered. Um, uh, yeah. It's interesting what he had in his pockets as well. Did you see his, his, his stuff he had in his No, pockets? what did he have in his pockets? So he had his identity card. a hole card. in one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a drill. Yeah. So identity, he had his identity card, a ration book, a union card, his ambulance badge, and then a newspaper clipping about the hanging of Timothy Evans. Brilliant. He really loved that, didn't why, he? Yeah. Why, you know, <laughs> why would you carry... I mean, he obviously... That was, um, what do you call it, like a trophy for him, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? I feel like that was one of the ones he was most proud of. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. 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 So he murdered yeah. the wife and then got the husband blamed for it and got him hanged. Within seven weeks? Yeah, like that's pretty, yeah. uh, that's and pretty it's smart. Not like it, it's not like he evaded arrest. He sat in the dock and did he it. He sat in the fucking dock, exactly, isn't he? Yeah, he exactly. was right there, yeah. Right there. And not one time did this guy say, no, it was him. <laughs> that guy. He's there. Look at him. He didn't at any point go, have you thought about looking at his house? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Bizarre fucking situation. Like. <laughs> so uh, he went to trial on the 22nd of June, 1953. Uh, as was the law back then, he could only actually be tried for the, for the murder of his wife at the time. Yeah. Uh, he pleaded insanity, which was rejected. They deliberated for 22 minutes and sentenced him to death. It's got to be the quickest deliberate. Could you even call that a deliberation? Nah, 22 minutes. Just, that was just their teeth. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 20, 20 minutes isn't even enough time for your tea to cool down and drink <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> it was literally 20 minutes ago. I'm in another room going, can you fucking believe this shit? <laughs> yeah. Well, guilty, Is this right? guy for real? Yeah. Is it for real? <laughs> Let me tell you a story. I don't know if I should say this publicly, but I'm going to. Um, I did jury service when I was like, I think I was 21 or 22. Um, so this is going back quite a while, like 20 odd years. So I did, I don't know if, you, if either of you ever done jury service. No. So what they do no. is they you sit in like the waiting area with the t- daytime TV and stuff, and they call people in alphabetically. So it you know you depends on where you are in the alphabet. You might get twelve cases. You might get one big one. You might not get anything at all. So I did three cases while I was there. Um, the first one was a trespassing case, which was thrown out. Because it was just this homeless guy who slept on some steps, and the, like the guy that owned the building got him arrested. It was stupid. Oh, the second one was um, a guy that was getting done for supplying cannabis, but what actually had happened is he'd passed his girlfriend a joint, and her parents had found out. 
and got him arrested and he was done for supplying marijuana. Oh, my God. For, that was also thrown out. But the third one, I can't remember exactly what the case was. Someone stole a TV, I think, something. So when, when we went off to deliberate, the jury, I was part of the jury, we sat in the deliberation room and they said, everyone had to say what they said. And I literally only said guilty because I was agreeing with the majority of the people there. <laughs> so I don't put any faith in juries at all. Oh, I don't want to say anything. Um, guilty. <laughs> See if that was me, and I I didn't think he was going. I'd I'd say I'd have to say because I I'd just be like, no, I'm like a dog with a bone. Like I, I won't have it. Well, I was like a twenty year old with <laughs> cannabis in his pocket in a courthouse. So <laughs> I wanted to get out of there. Uh, Christy confessed to all the crimes except uh, for the baby. When uh, the, the obviously the theory of behind that is because he was pleading for insanity, he was mm. hoping to avoid the death penalty. But obviously, if he went into prison having killed a baby, uh, he wouldn't stand much chance when he got in there. But he was finally hanged on the fifteenth of July, nineteen fifty-three, aged fifty-four. Um, his final comment was that his nose itched, <laughs> to which the hangman said, "It won't soon." <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, wow. what a Could you imagine just, you know, standing there going, can you just scratch my nose? And you're like, no, it ain't going to yeah. be in a minute, mate. Oh, yeah, really, on, mate? <laughs> just, yeah. step for- just step forward a little bit. Because in those days, they didn't even have the uh, the dummy hangers, did they? Because I know when it got up to the modern day, and even now in America, they have multiple switches for the chair. Yeah. So like three or four people pull the switch. Only one's live. So yeah. they don't know who actually did it. Same thing with yeah. a firing squad. But not in those days. It was just one dude who just hung yeah. people. I believe day, he was hung day. in... Was he hung in Pentonville? Which yes, I Pentonville, yeah. Pentonville yeah. was the one that just had the floor. They just and it was... The floor and yeah. It's the, through it, the hole. It was the, it was the same guy who hung Timothy Evans as well. Oh, oh, shit. I wonder what he was thinking. Probably not a lot. No. <laughs> it was Another his job. I don't, I, I, yeah. You've probably got a really good hat job from the job, haven't you, doing that? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I could do that job. Jesus oh, Christ. No. No. Yeah. But yeah, no. there you have it, Mr. Mr. Reggie Christie. There's a debate around whether he was um, a necrophile or not. Yeah, I think, I think he was. Do you think? Well, yeah, the, that's just my guess. Isn't the actual description of necrophilia that they have to be immobile, not necessarily? Dead? Yeah. So it's, oh, is that right? Yeah. So the the definition is um, having sex with unconscious or dead yeah. body. Interesting. So, yeah. So yeah. and apparently there's like three variants. Uh, let me find it. Hold on. Uh, how is it? Yeah, three variants: violent fantasy and romantic. Violent types have romantic over- necrophile. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, um, <laughs> we, put, we put a rose in her mouth. Holy God. Here, he, brought, he brought the corpse flowers first. Oh, he took them off the grave, but still. It says violent types have an overpowering urge to be near a corpse, so they kill in order to achieve it. Then they may keep the corpse around to work, work it over again, work it over. That's a great expression. That's a lovely way of putting it. Or 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 visit where it was dumped. Fantasy necrophiles make death a central part of their erotic imagery. Uh, They may ask a lover to play dead. 
during a sexual act or take Ooh. photos of that person looking dead, uh, which they can later masturbate over. Wow. Romantic types feel such a strong bond with it, with uh, those they kill that they keep them around after death. Oh, that's Dharma. That's Dharma. Yeah. And Dennis they, Nielsen. They might not touch them, but they want them nearby. Yeah, wow. That's... Yeah. Uh... Actually, well, there's one instance of that with Christie, but that's only that's purely because he forgot about them when he murdered. Um, mm. Yeah, when he murdered McLen McLennan, McLennan, he, yeah, he went up to bed, and yeah. he went downstairs the next morning, and he'd almost forgotten she was dead in the chair. He'd left her there all night. He'd left her there, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was he a drinker? I don't know. It doesn't say specifically no. that he was, does it? No. I don't. I don't think he was. I didn't see anything. Uh, well, work, as, as, his, as his crimes become so matter of fact, then that he's able to just do that and then just go to bed. I would feel that about morning. It, yeah. Yeah. Holy wow. Shit. We've all we've all like you know left dishes in the kitchen <laughs> the next day and stuff like that. And then you come down the next morning, and you're like, oh look at this bullshit I've got yeah, to deal with now. Every time. <laughs> I'm not comparing oh, dirty God, dishes God. to murder, but you know. Oh, and it's not same, too same, similar. Same, same principle. Yeah. <laughs> you got to clean up your mess. Yeah. Clean up yeah. your mess. Yeah. So the principle's the same. And yeah. there you have it. What a guy. That was John Reginald Christing. Right then. Do you want to do your couple of stories first and then we'll do Conviction Corner? Yeah, sure. I've just got a couple of uh, yeah, interesting stories. Um uh, one was uh, a thing I read about the South Carolina Supreme Court um, oh. have introduced uh, this month the option for death row prisoners to choose death by firing squad. Oh, my God. They Jesus. have the option now. So th this is in cases where lethal injection isn't possible and it would, either, and it would you know, they would have other options, wouldn't they? Um, but, yeah, one of those options is now, is, is now firing squad. They can choose to be shot. If they really want to, oh, wow! Nothing to make that decision. Good God! Um, but th the other one is quite funny. Um, so this is a doctor in India. Uh, I'll, I'll drop the link in the chat so you can have a good read of this. Um, <laughs> this is, a doctor in India has been duped out of uh, seventy-two thousand pounds by buying a magic lamp from which a conman produced a genie that would make his dreams come true. The genie was in fact a second conman. So this <laughs> guy is a doctor. This guy is a doctor, uh, and two common have gone. Please and tell me the genie life. was in. Was he like dressed up as a oh, genie? Oh, was he? Oh, it must have been. Oh. I really believe it, but oh, yeah, they've obviously gone into this doctor with a lamp, done a puff of smoke or something, and this guy has appeared, and the bloke's completely fallen for it, and he's been duped out of seventy-two thousand pounds. That is mental. Crazy shit. Jesus. How did a doctor think that a genie had come out of a lamp? <laughs> That is fucking worrying, isn't it? <laughs> I just imagine going to like insurance or something, or even just going to a police station. I've been just... Why? Why? I've lost seventy-two grand. Why? On a genie? What? <laughs> I mean, how? I must. I mean, if he's got you know a partner, wife, husband, whatever, how do you explain that? But I can't. Oh. Be. 
that's like that's like you know going out and coming back with magic beans effectively isn't it do you know what i mean that's so weird yeah that that's out, so out of queer as folk my god <laughs> i'm i need to have a deep dive on that one i really do because I can't read things like that. It makes me scared of doctors even more than I already am. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I do have a, a conviction corner, um, and I know we I posted that in, this in the in the chat. So um, this is about Karina Smith, um, who uh, filled a bucket from her garden uh, with boiling water and mixed it with about seven pounds of sugar. Um, and threw it over her sleeping husband, who she'd been married to for 38 years. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, so um, if you're not familiar with um, the, the boiling water and sugar, um, it basically makes a paste and intensifies the burn. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't wash that shit off. It's a common assault practice in prison. Yeah. There was that story as well that I found um, where – I think they inmates found out that one prisoner um, had, I think he'd killed a kid or he'd killed um, a young woman and they poured it down his throat. Yeah. Wow. I mean, probably deserved it, but still. But yeah, but still. Um, yeah. So she, she left her husband with 36% um, burns to his body um, and casually told a neighbor, I think I've killed him. Jesus. Yeah. So she was apparently, um, uh, so she was her um, her husband's carer. Um, he was a lot older than her by the sound. So she was 59 and he was 80. He must have had money. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm being the cynic that I am. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually survived um, the, the ordeal, but he died a month later. Um, oh, my God, that month must have been horrific. Yeah, he he must have been in considerable, you know, amount of pain and yeah. So that was a conviction. So she got. Let's have a look. Um, so she hasn't been sentenced yet, but she has been uh, found guilty of murder. Um, so the trial was lasted five that lasted five days. Um, but yeah, boiling water and sugar, nice, lovely. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Right. Next episode is Paul's Choice. Yes. So, uh, oh, yeah. So, the next episode, we're going to do the murder of Skylar Nice. Yeah. So, this was on our poll, wasn't it, a while ago? Yeah. And it was very close between um, Skylar Nice and, and Amy Mullis. Um, obviously, we did Amy Mullis a few episodes ago. So, we're going to do Skylar Nice for episode eight. Until next time, listeners. Don't forget, always delete your Google history. If you are enjoying our podcast, you can help us reach more listeners by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. We are on social media, Twitter at Crimes Like and Instagram at Crimes Like These. You can also get in touch with us via email, crimeslikethese at gmail.com. 
So this was on our poll, wasn't it, a while ago? Yeah. And it was very close between um, Skyler Nice and, and Amy Mullis. Um, obviously, we did Amy Mullis a few episodes ago. So we're going to do Skyler Nice for episode eight. Until next time, listeners, don't forget, always delete your Google history. If you are enjoying our podcast, you can help us reach more listeners by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. We are on social media, Twitter at Crimes Like and Instagram at Crimes Like These. You can also get in touch with us via email, crimeslikethese at gmail.com.